the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Tell me a little bit about this uh, consideration for the candidacy of the presidency of the United States. You'd be a great one as far as I'm concerned, but tell me what the thinking is. Well, the thinking is this. Uh, as you know, I ran for governor in the recall election. Uh, I raised $22 million in about seven and a half weeks. Uh, it, as soon as I entered the race, I became the front runner on the replacement side. Uh, the only county I lost was San Francisco, and I lost that by a whopping 154 votes, I believe it was. We didn't spend one dime or one moment campaigning there because we thought it was a lost cause. I almost won that one. I got about 150,000 individual donations. Half of them were from outside of California. Uh, my girlfriend and I, who seated to my left, uh, after the campaign was over, we went to Key West to chill out. Uh, and one of the reasons I gained so much weight is that people kept buying me stuff, buying me <laughs> drinks. And Seth, most people said, what are you going to do next? And I said, I don't know. And they said, why don't you run for president? And you look at the math, the battlefield in California, it would be easier, frankly, for me to be elected president of the United States than to be elected governor of California. Yeah. Uh, in 2003, we had a recall election. That's the one that Arnold Schwarzenegger won. Right. Since then, Seth, there are now 5% more registered Democrats, yeah. 50% more registered independents. And even the New York Times said independents in California vote Democrat. 33% fewer registered Republicans. What's happened? Republicans have left. Yeah. They've come to Arizona. They've come to Texas. They've come to Florida and taken the votes with them. Uh, the other reason I'm thinking about running is we all know what the issues are. The borders, the inflation, we're no longer energy independent. Uh, the way the uh, FBI, DOJ has gotten to bed with the social media platforms. We all know those issues. But there are two things I think I bring to the table that others don't. Number one is to emphasize the primacy of the number one problem facing uh, this country, and it's not inflation, it's not all these problems that we mentioned, it's the large number of children who enter the world without a father in the home married to the mother. Seventy percent of black kids enter the world without a father in the home married to the mother. And Obama said, you and I have talked about this before, Seth, Obama once said, a kid raised without a father is five times more likely to be poor and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of school, and 20 times more likely to end up in jail. And the question is, how have we gone from having 25 percent of black kids entering the world without a father married to the mother in the home in 1965 to 70% today. Yeah. And the answer is the welfare state. The welfare state has incentivized women to marry the government and incentivized men to abandon their financial and moral responsibility. The second thing I bring to the table is a acute refutation of the idea that America is systemically racist. It is nonsense. My father uh, did not know his father, so it's not a death sentence. Uh, raised in the Jim Crow South, comes to L.A., cleans toilets for, for years, starts a little cafe, and by the time my dad retired, he bought the little property next to the cafe, the property where the cafe sat, the, the, the home that we raised in, which is still in the family. My father's net worth was a little bit under a million dollars, and he was a longtime Republican. And he always told my brothers and me, hard work wins. You get out of life what you put into it. You cannot control the outcome, but you're 100% in control of the effort. And before you whine about what somebody did to you or said to you, go to the nearest mirror, look at it, and ask yourself, what could I have done to change the outcome? And finally, my dad always told my brothers and me, no matter how hard you work, sooner or later, bad things are going to happen. How you deal with those bad things will tell your mother and me if we raised a man. Um, 
this notion that America is systemic racist is just absolute nonsense. The idea that Donald Trump sent a racist dog whistle to white racists. Um, he got a, f- a lesser percentage of the white vote than Mitt Romney did four years earlier. And by the way, Obama got a higher percentage of the of black of the white vote than John Kerry did uh, four years earlier. The town that most voted for Donald Trump of over 100,000 was Abilene, Texas, 85 percent. Guess which town a few weeks later voted for their first black mayor, Abilene, Texas, in an avalanche. It's just crap. Iowa, you've spent a lot of time in Iowa. It's got to be 95% white. They gave it to Barack Obama twice, if I'm not mistaken. They sure, they most certainly did. And there were 700 counties that voted for Barack Obama twice in 2008, 2012. 200 of them switched to Donald Trump in 2016. So were they bitten by a racist radioactive spider between 2012 and 2016? It is nonsense. Even Chris Matthews, uh, who lost his show on MSNB Hee Haw, even he once said most white people would not vote for a, a person if they thought he or she was racist. And he kind of knows a lot about politics yeah. and a lot about white people, too. Yeah. Well, so well. it's just nonsense. And, and I think if I can puncture a, a, a hole into that no- notion, a whole lot of lies could be saved. Because after uh, the death of George Floyd, and by the way, however you feel about what Derek Chauvin did, Seth, there is zero evidence that he was motivated because of George Floyd's race. It didn't come up in the trial. The lead prosecutor was a black man right. and took great pains in the opening statement to say all police officers are not on trial. The Minneapolis PD is not on trial. This individual is on trial. And he wasn't charged with a hate crime, as you pointed out. And yet you had four months of protests in the streets, largely because of this belief that what Derek Chauvin did was motivated by George Floyd's race, even though the lead prosecutor, who was black, said otherwise. Mm-hmm. Larry, I, I, I think that's, that's the exact message America needs to hear. It's the exact message Democrats need to hear. But it's also the exact message Republicans need to hear, because I have to tell you, my own sense is too many Republicans, even too many conservatives, cower from wanting to talk about those things, those cultural issues, which I do think are determinant of our politics. A lot of people like to quote Breitbart on this. Before that, Daniel Moynihan, who you were quoting Soda Voici, said that uh, culture is more important than politics in this country because it does end up driving these things. And I think not only the fatherlessness issue, but the welfare state that comes with it and what we're now seeing in the education system with the uh, traducing of the idea of manhood, uh, the traducing of the idea of right and wrong, uh, truth, man, woman, nature. Um, there's a there is a neo-Marxist war going on in this country that I think too few conservatives are waking up to. You are, in the true sense of the word, awoken, awakened to it, and I I I, I think that this this message of yours is to quote um, to quote a, a much better source than myself really a uh, frame of civil around a picture of apples and you are those golden apples that uh, I think the conservative movement needs to do a better job of framing and to the degree you can give us that message and perpetuate it is the degree to which we're going to save our education system let's spend a moment on that uh, systemic racism thing because you taught me something that uh, I'm ever grateful to you for teaching me And it was a speech Barack Obama gave when he was senator, and I believe it was at the Edmund Pettus Bridge. Mm -hmm. Do that. Do that recap, if you will, that 90 percent. He was he was talking about how much racism there was in America when he was a senator. Uh, And he said the Moses generation, referring to the generation of MLK, has gotten us, quote, 90 percent of the way there, close quote. Uh, He said my generation, the Joshua generation, has to get us an additional 10 percent. And I thought that was pretty accurate because. 
8% of Americans uh, believe Elvis is still alive. <laughs> About 6% believe if you send him a letter, he'll get it. So you have to write off around 8%. So that, there might be 2% of races we could work yeah. on. Outside of that, that's pretty accurate. And then fast forward, what happens? Obama gets into office. Racism is in America's DNA. You didn't say that at the church. Right. right. Uh, he embraced Black Lives Matter. If I had a son, he looked like Trayvon. Uh, he chastised uh, the Cambridge police for briefly arresting uh, uh, his friend, William, uh, Henry Louis Gates, yeah. who had broken to his own home in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Someone neighbor saw that, called 911, just as you want your neighbors to do. A white cop very politely shows up and says, sir, please come out of your house and identify yourself. He refuses to do it. He gets briefly arrested. And Obama turns that into a racial thing. And Obama invoked even Ferguson when he was giving a speech before the United Nations, even though Ferguson was a complete lie. So Obama did the opposite of what I think a lot of Americans thought he was going to do when they elected him to become president. The other issue you were talking about, protests and riots after the, um, dur- during, the, uh, during the, the summer of 2020, 30 lives lost, billions of dollars, police uh, departments depredated, uh, mass resignations, self-confessions all over the place about how racist a society we are. And it begs this question I've heard you speak on before. I wonder if you might address yourself to it now. Is the demand for racism greater than the supply That's of right. racism? So you have to keep coming up with new, new kinds of things. Um, when Obama entered the Oval Office, Seth, he walked in with a 70% approval rating, even though he got elected with a little more than 52% of the vote. How does that happen? How does that happen? It's because a bunch of people who didn't vote for him said, okay, I don't want Obamacare. I don't want this. I don't want that. But at least he'll bring us together racially. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the polls, when he first entered the office in the third week of uh, January 2009, both blacks and whites thought race relations would improve. Look at the polls when he left. Both blacks and whites thought race relations deteriorated. Uh, in part because of his anti-cop rhetoric. Look at what happened his second term. There were two cops in New York that were killed execution style while sitting in their squad cars by a black man uh, who told friends or posted on social media that he believes that the cops are systemically racist. There were three cops that were killed uh, in Baton Rouge execution style by a black man, a different black man, who said the same thing. And five cops were killed in Dallas uh, by another black man who said the same thing. So Obama's rhetoric, in my opinion, uh, got a lot of people believing falsely that the police are engaging in systemic racism. Here's the, the, the inconvenient uh, truth that people like Cory Booker, Cory Bush, rather, uh, and others uh, of these uh, victocrats, as I call them, don't want to deal with. A young black man is eight times more likely to be murdered than a young white man. Eight times, almost always by another young black man. Uh, and that's why the police are there. And if anything, the studies show that the police are more hesitant, more reluctant to pull the trigger on a black person than a white person. There is a black Harvard uh, economist named Roland Fryer, the, the youngest tenured professor in Harvard history. That's how brilliant he is. He's from the inner city in Baltimore. He just knew that a bunch of cops were mowing down black people just because they were black and did a study to find out. He said, my, my results were the most surprising of my professional career. Not only were the police not mowing down black people because they were black, they were more reluctant, more hesitant to pull the trigger on a black suspect than a white suspect. Um, and what Obama has done has done a great deal of damage. Here is a guy that was raised by his uh, white mother and his uh, white Paternal, uh, uh, maternal grandparents. Uh, he went to the finest prep school in Iowa, in Hawaii, goes to Occidental, a very fine uh, private school in L.A., finishes up in Columbia, Ivy League school, goes to Harvard, uh, and ends up be- being elected unanimously to president of the Harvard Law Review. Uh, he has led a charmed, charmed life. You read his first book, which was very well written. I think he didn't write it, but very well written. 
And he talks about the, his real love of life, who was a white woman, uh, a wealthy white woman from a very uh, prominent family. They loved him. They embraced him. He dumped her because he wanted to go into politics and felt she would be a, be a liability. My point is, if anybody should recognize this is a great country and, and, um, and, and not follow the nonsense that America is systemic racist, it's Barack Obama. And because Barack Obama has embraced it, because he's gone to Harvard, because he's led a wonderful life, and he's still saying nonsense like this, it lets, makes other people feel, okay, I guess America is systemically racist. Yeah, it's almost as if the door is open and yet people keep trying to push against it. This door is wide open. You have lit a, led a great life. Uh, you have succeeded in this country as your father has, and, as and, Barack Obama has. And, and Barack Obama, Seth. From never, two very different political orientations, by the never way. Never set foot in a public school for himself. Yeah, that's Yet right. he opposes school choice. That's right. 85% of black eighth graders, these are 13-year-old kids, are neither math nor reading proficient, 85%. And half of them don't even hit basic reading proficiency. There are 13 public high schools in the inner city in Baltimore where 0% of the kids are math proficient and another half a dozen where only one uh, are. That's almost half of all the high schools in Baltimore. And, 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 and the energy on the left is attacking people like Byron Donalds and Larry Elder as white supremacists. Right. It just seems to me that maybe a column or two ought to be devoted towards that. I think it ought to, and I want to talk to you a little bit about education. Let's maybe start it here and hit it a little bit more in the next segment, because this is the thing that is concerning to me most. If there's one statistic that I bring up in any speech I give, I think it's the most important statistic in this country. It's that, according you were citing uh, the National Assessment of Education Progress, it's known as the Nation's Report Card. It comes out of the U.S. Department of Education with a partnership. Uh, it's, it's, it's the gold standard of testing in America. Right. 50% of our nation's 12th graders, high school seniors, graduate with an F, a below basic in American history. That is to say at the age of 17, 18, the age at which they might join the military, might go off to college, might get their first job. God knows the age they can right, uh, rightfully cast their first vote. Half of them are aliens to a country they do not know. We can talk about illegal immigration. It's hugely important. I'm worried we're making aliens of our own citizens in our schools right now, Larry. And so they become, as C.S. Lewis said, so much better the subject of so much propaganda. We change our date. Our founding date isn't 1776 anymore. It's 1619. Young adults in this country don't know the first thing about this country anymore. And I think that helps feed some of this n- narrative that we are a systemically racist country. Can the, you say something the about the education The more ill-informed you system? are, the easier it is for you to be manipulated. Right. And right. Seth, it ain't about the money. We right. spend more money K-12 than any of the other industrialized countries in the world, with the exception of like, Switzerland and Luxembourg. Right. We are outspent. Uh, we outspend the, the Asian American, uh, uh, the Asian countries. We outspend the European countries, right. and we're getting lousy we results. Butts. Right. 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 So it's not about the inputs. It is about the ideology of the teaching profession writ large. It is about the ideology of the wokeness that is taking place in our textbook. Right. And, and the proof is in the pudding. There was a study some, some years ago where public school teachers with school age kids were asked where you send your own kids. Right. Nationwide, around 10 percent of us have our kids in private schools. About 6 percent of black families do. Yeah. Uh, in Philadelphia, over f- almost 40 percent of the kids of the teachers with school age kids put their own kids in private schools. Uh, in Chicago, it's around 39%. In L.A., it's around 28%. So the people who know the school system the most aren't putting their own kids in it. That's right. I've often said uh, in my speeches, it's the equivalent of opening up a restaurant, putting up a sign saying, come on in, eat the food. We sure as hell won't. Yeah, right. <laughs> Larry 
Elder is my guest. I want to spend a little more time about uh, with Larry on the schools and the woke ideology uh, having to do with not only the racialization of our children, but the sexualization and the ending of their childhood by using children to soothe adult anxieties. We saw it with COVID and we're seeing it with ideology. Larry, in the 1950s, the philosopher Hannah Arendt said that her view of uh, what was emerging as progressive education in America was going to lead us to a place where adults' political programs were going to be played out on the school grounds with our children. And it seems that, whether you're looking at the kind of legislation Florida became and Ron DeSantis uh, got, got, got famous for earlier last year, you're looking at the racialization, the sexualization, the sex changing of children mm-hmm. on, uh, in our schools, the wanting to conceal it from the parents, you get the sense, or even using the kids during COVID and closing down the schools and masking them and forcing vaccines on them for a disease that doesn't really affect them very much, you get the sense that adults are using children to soothe their anxieties. This is a perversion too, isn't it? It is. And Saul Alinsky in, in Rules for Radicals talked about how to change everything. And you started by indoctrinating the, the children. And they become young adults. And they become middle-aged people. And they then infiltrate every aspect of our society, which is exactly what's happening. There was a UCLA history professor who wrote a book back in 1987 where he said, you know, these conservatives who are claiming that all these people ma- majoring in things like anthropology and, and basket weaving and all these left-wing things are going to someday infuse every aspect of our society. It's nonsense. They're paranoid. He recently came out and said he was wrong. Is that right? All these people who otherwise would have been in college uh, teaching people nonsense couldn't get jobs because we're no longer able to place them. And so now they're going out into the world and they're infusing everything. The good news is these uh, people that ran for school board here in Arizona won and won in bigger margins in the Republicans and conservatives. Yeah, that's up, so interesting to me. Yeah. In San Francisco, yeah, that's where, right. where I think six percent of the registered voters are Republican. I saw that. They yeah. recalled three school board members with over seventy percent of the vote. Why? Because they spent their whole year shutting down the schools, uh, spent a lot of money renaming schools from their racist names like Abraham Lincoln, uh, and uh, and, Douglas and Abraham and, and, Lincoln are the new racists. Right, and, yeah. and they threw them out. Yeah. Yeah. And when I ran for governor, uh, the former Senate majority leader, a Democrat named Gloria Romero, uh, supported me. Mm-hmm. And she supported me because of school choice. Uh, and again, the idea that we should be sending kids to schools where 0% of the kids, only 1% can do math uh, at grade level, uh, is, is and the parents have no choice in that. The money should follow the child rather than the other way around. Uh, and that has become a growing movement. And we Republicans should be embracing that more to the to a greater degree than we're doing right now. Yes, that's right. Now, talk to me a little bit about the situation with California and your candidacy, because I don't know of one index or indice where California has done better under Gavin Newsom than than worse, whether we're talking homelessness, whether we're talking economy, whether we're talking drug use, whether we're talking education achievement, you name it. California seems to me quite the basket case. And yet they keep electing these same kinds of leaders. Uh, the L.A. city counts. The L.A. mayor's race uh, just did it again. Mm-hmm. Is there some kind of um, hopelessness? Is there some of this French phrase, uh, nostalgia de la vie, that's this thirst or love for the mud, for degradation? It, what's going on in America, what, it, as explained by California, where people keep voting for policies that with their very two eyes they can see are failing? Remember the movie Chinatown yeah. at the end of it? Yeah. Uh, it's Chinatown, Jake. Yeah. Uh, this is California, Jake. Okay. Uh, and Republicans are outnumbered three to one, uh, counting the registered Democrats, independents, and they have convinced, meaning the politicians, that Republicans 
are not just wrong. They're just evil people. Look at all the ads that Gavin Newsom ran against me, Seth. He never, they never said, Gavin Newsom doing a great job on education because our scores are near the bottom, doing a great job on, on uh, home prices because the average price of a home in, in California is 175% above the national average. Didn't say he's doing, doing a great job on water conservation. We, we're running out of water even though we haven't added to our infrastructure uh, since the state was half the size it is right now. He didn't say we're doing a good job on keeping businesses here because for the first time in California's 170-year history, people and businesses are leaving the state. They just said, stop the Republican takeover. Had a picture of Larry Elder uh, and Donald Trump with both of our thumbs up. <laughs> and they showed it over and over and over again, even though uh, Donald Trump never endorsed me, nor did I seek his endorsement. There were a lot of outsiders who wanted to endorse me, and I said no to all of them because I wanted this to be a California-centric race. Yeah. But it didn't matter. They turned it into a referendum on the Republican Party. And the only Republican, only person, public figure, uh, more loathed than Donald Trump in California is Charlie Manson, and he's dead. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what they were able to do. When my race was over, just to give you a quick example— I'm in a restaurant on the west side of L.A., heavily liberal area, and I arrive 15 minutes before the, my partner was supposed to come. And a couple of ladies next to me, I guess, feel sorry for me sitting, my, sitting by myself. And we start talking. 85 years old. They were both Jewish. They were uh, known each other since the second grade. One of them was celebrating her birthday. So we start talking. And about 10 minutes into the conversation, Seth, one of them said, wait a minute, I know you. You're that guy that ran for governor. You're that Larry Elder. And they smiled and said, well, guess who we voted for? I said, I know who you voted for. You didn't vote for me? How do you know that? Well, let's see. We're in the west side of L.A. You're both Jewish. One of you said you're a, a human rights activist. It didn't take Colombo to put that together. You didn't vote for me. And I said, how do you feel about the crime? They both had instances in which they or friends of theirs had been hurt by what they call soft on crime DAs. How do you feel about the schools? I would never put my kid in a school to save my life. How do you feel about the fact that Gavin Newsom shut down the state in a more severe way than anybody else did? Well, we lost businesses. I have a friend who had a restaurant, blah, blah, blah. I said, so here we are completing each other's sentences, and you didn't vote for me. Have you ever had a conversation like this with a, with, with, with a Republican? They both admitted they never had. And one of them said, what are you drinking? Yeah. And by the end of the day, I, they had bought my drinks. They had bought my meal. I, I upgraded to a lobster, by the way, since, no. they, were, since they were going to pay for it. No. My point is they had <laughs> never— Nothing better than two Jewish women buying a guy a lobster. <laughs> me, I love it. it. Right, in West L.A. <laughs> never had a conversation like that with someone like me. Yeah, of course. Uh, and I, I met a, a masseuse uh, not long after, after the race was over. She had massages everywhere, uh, hair this way, hair that way. And we start talking. She had Motown music playing in the background, which is my favorite kind of music. And every time a song came on, I told her who, who the artists were, who the writer was, uh, this, that, and the other. She said, I had no idea you were this personable. I had no idea you had this sense, kind of sense of humor. We hadn't talked about politics before. She goes, I know who you are. I didn't vote for you. Had I known you were like this, I would have voted for you. I said, do you know any Republicans? She said, no. How can you not know any Republicans at all? Yeah, we're strangers in a strange yeah. land. And believe it or not, yeah. some of us have senses of humor. Yeah. Some of us are personable. Some of us are warm. Yeah. They they have turned Republican into uh, a four letter word, a four letter word. Yes, they have they have done a terrible thing with our language. The left has. 
they have taken truly noxious ideologies and truly noxious things like Nazism and fascism and white supremacy and watered them down, so vitiated and weakened them to make them stand for people like you, people like me, people who is the grandfather to Jewish Orthodox Jewish children, that we no longer understand evil anymore. We just think Republicans are that. And it's an and, awful and thing. We should to do have a better done. job yeah. of awful. educating them on the history of both the Democratic Party awful. and the Republican Party. Right. Democratic Party, the party of slavery. Party of the Klan, Party of Jim Crow, and now the Party of Modern Progressive Racism. Yes, that's right. Modern Progressive Racism and and Marxism. And it won't end well unless people like Larry Elder's voice grow stronger and stronger. Elderforamerica.com. Throw a little something in the tip jar. All right. Elderforamerica.com. Elder, (laughs) F-O-R, America. That's right. Dot com. I had um, a guy in the uh, in the studio. You may or may not know him. He's an immigration expert named Mark Corian, and he was you know Mark, and he was talking Center about for, Center for Immigration Studies. That's exactly right. Sharp guy, yeah. Sharp guy. That, that. And, and he's not even even conservative. No, really. not really. He, he's That's just right. talking about the facts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five million people entering the country illegally in the last couple of years. Uh, even a um, left wing writer for California once wrote that illegal immigration. Uh, including the cost of education, health care in California, costs the taxpayer $25 billion a year. And I'm sure it's much bigger than that right now. Oh, it's great. We spend billions of dollars on the education system with the illegal immigrants, the criminal justice system, crime. Uh, You might be thinking of Mickey Kaus, perhaps, someone like that. There are some liberals who understand this. My gosh, Cesar Chavez understood this. He He sure did. He used to work with the feds in order to stop illegal immigration because he knew that they put downward pressure on the wages of of his union members. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. Larry. He would be called a a brown face of white supremacy today. That's right. He would. (laughs) That's right. He would. Two minutes left. This, well, as long as we're here, illegal immigration. Why are so many people, particularly on the other side of the aisle, so blasé about this? Is part of it is part and parcel of it is they don't care that much about America in the first place, or is it something else? Is it they don't know about it? What is? I, it? I think it's I think it's door number two. They don't know about it. I once had uh, dinner with with uh, Tom Sowes, a very good friend of mine, and I said, Tom. The minimum wage has probably been studied more than any other aspect of, of economics, mm-hmm. yet state after state after state raises the minimum wage, even though it hurts the very people that people on the left would, would, would say they care about, lower-income black and brown people. And he said that's because most people don't know the argument. Uh-huh. I watched Bill Malugin of Fox News every day, and he has this video of these people coming into the country, thousands every single night. Then I cut over to CNN and what I call MSNBC. Mm-hmm. It's not even there. There was a recent poll that showed the majority of Americans thought uh, in the last couple of years, a quarter of a million illegal aliens had come in. They were off by a factor of 10. That's right. And so they have no blooming idea what's really going on in the border. Remember when Jimmy Carter uh, was president and the boat people came from Cuba? People were outraged. It was just hundreds. This is millions. That was hundreds and this is millions. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.